0: Okay, and welcome to Gospel Amen. Baptist Church. Wednesday night Bible study. Let's turn our Bibles, please. To let's go to First Kings chapter three. First Kings chapter three. First Kings chapter three. Kings chapter 3. Kings chapter three. We read verse eleven and twelve. Then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. It says here in verse eleven. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, thou hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself self-understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. That is, of course, talking about... Solomon, okay? So let's go to the Lord of Prayer, and maybe someone will turn on the sound system That'd Father, thank you so much for your word and we can get into this uh, this evening. I do pray you bless us. For those who are still in the way, give them safety as they travel. I pray we just have a wonderful time in your word. I pray we would be able to meet with God, and we'd hear from you, Lord. Please use the study of the scriptures in our lives for good. Lord, some of these things we're going to talk about are difficult, we see people's lives tumble downhill. Maybe we learn uh, from what they did wrong that we may apply to our lives for good and I pray God that you pour out your grace upon us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Okay, so we are continuing on in our series through the Bible and uh, so first of all we look at King Saul. King Saul was the people's choice in the period of the monarchies. We've looked at King Saul and then after him was? David. And David was the Lord's choice and he'd been a man of war and as a result God did not allow him to build his temple. So who would be the third person? Solomon. Solomon. that's exactly right, OK? So Solomon was, was uh, David's son, and he was a man of peace. In fact, his very name means peaceable. He expanded the kingdom by negotiating treaties and alliances. He was used by God to author three books. What are they? So Proverbs. Proverbs, so Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, absolutely. Okay, so in the book of Ecclesiastes, oops, I'm going go too fast. The book of Ecclesiastes records Solomon's futile attempts to find meaning to, to life. What was that phrase, the three word phrase? Yeah, yeah, he has a phrase. <laughs> Under Wait, no, under, the okay, under the, the sun, it's all the way through. Okay, under the sun. And I heard you say, I'm about to say it. I was just like, say it, say it. Under the sun, okay. And uh, under the sun means essentially what? Here, under the sun, it's all. What, what when you have, when when he, in, in the context of solving it means living without God. You, you, you're not having an, a, a consideration of the Lord. So it's just earthly focus, nothing but God at all. It, that's what the phrase under the sun means. Okay, all right, so after Solomon became king, God appeared to him in a dream and offered to grant him any request he would make. We just read it. God was pleased with Solomon's response. What did God promise him? Wisdom, a wise and an understanding heart. Excellent. Okay, then 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1 to 3. Let me pass out some scriptures, lots to read. Second Chronicles 7, verse 1 to 3. Go ahead and First Kings chapter 10, verse 23 to 29. Actually, you know, we won't read there. Deuteronomy 17, 14 to 17. Deuteronomy 17. Okay, Ellen can read that. And. Um, 1 Kings 11 verse 3. 1st Kings 11 verse 3. Okay, I mean, you can read that for me. 1st Kings 11 verse 4. First Kings, okay, Deborah, can you read that for me? And that's it for the moment. Okay. So, in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 1 to 3, when the temple was dedicated, what filled the Lord's house? When the temple was dedicated, what filled the Lord's house? Smoke. Smoke, yep. Yeah? So, but, but where did this all come from? You're right. You're from from the presence, of the, the presence Lord. of the Lord, or the glory of the Lord, is a, a, a absolutely okay? The glory of the Lord, okay? The presence of the Lord, or oh, it expresses the glory of the Lord. Second Chronicles seven, verse one to three. Now, when Solomon made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house, and the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house they bowed themselves down or with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good for his mercy Amen. so what was the response of the people to the glory of the Lord worship, worship. worship. isn't that wonderful yeah. I mean really what, we, what we're talking about on, on Sunday evening worship it's all about worship we exist to worship it was, it was a good thing to think about wasn't it Okay, so just by so he dedicated the temple, just by a quick note, the book of First Chronicles contains. Okay, um, we'll talk about actually book of First Chronicles. I thought I have a mix. Let me deal with this one first. First Kings chapter 10, verse 23 to 29, uh, references Deuteronomy 17 to 14 to 17, verses 14 to 17. So, according to the law. As recorded in Deuteronomy chapter seventeen, verse fourteen to seventeen, what was Solomon's failure? And I think it was about three different things. Okay? What were the three failures of Solomon? Horses. Yeah, what? It said that they're not to add to the horses. Okay, so he multiplied horses, number one. What else? Horses. Wives, number two? Do you remember the third one? When of the there were women Right, the yes, so the wives. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yeah, so those wives, the horses, what was the third one? Do you remember? He's not allowed to multiply to himself wives or horses or what else? Gold. Gold yeah, or silver. I think it's silver's but basically it's basically the same idea, right? So, Deuteronomy 17, verse 14 to 17. When they are called into the land which the Mother God giveth thee and shalt possess it, and shalt dwell therein, shalt say, I will set a king over me. As all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set a king over thee, whom the Lord thy God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shalt thou set king over thee. There mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses, for as much as the Lord hath said unto you, He shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn out away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and Silver and gold, actually, sorry, I missed my note, silver and gold, yeah, not just silver, silver and gold, you're right. Okay, and isn't it interesting, do you know what I find really, really interesting? Sometimes the Bible just gives a narrative, and there's no explanation, there's no commentary, it just explains the history, and it just gives the history, and if you're reading through the Bible, and you're reading... Um, what Solomon did by gathering these wives to himself and gathering these horses to himself and the riches and his abundance and what Jerusalem would have looked like. And again, the statement was made, when you cross, when you get to the horizon of Jerusalem, when you climb the hill you get to the horizon of Jerusalem, the gold of the temple just lights up the sky. And that's all credited to Solomon. Now, I know David gathered the materials. We understand that. But you're looking at what was going on. The Queen of Sheba goes to, to, to the... to to observe Solomon's wisdom and and his kingdom. She is, there's no more spirit left in her. She's overwhelmed. Isn't it interesting? When the Bible talks about Solomon's wealth, it talks about Solomon's majesty, it talks about Solomon's kingdom, there's no commentary. And if there was no commentary made anywhere else in the Bible, you would be tempted to just go, wow, wouldn't you? You'd be like, that is so impressive. We are impressed by earthly things, aren't we? And I'm not making a comment, I'm not saying whether that's good or evil, I'm just saying it's reality. We are impressed by that. I find it really interesting when you go back and you read the rest of the Bible that it makes commentary on it, and you realize, well, that actually wasn't as impressive as it could have been, or you, you know what I'm saying? It's just a commentary. It, isn't that interesting? There's two places in this world, Mary and Island, and to, that uh, you just stand in front one is the Mormon Temple in Salt Lake City in the Vatican. Wow, yeah. They are the most impressive buildings I've ever seen in my life. And you stand up and you go, wow, yeah. I mean, they are impressive. And if that's what does it for you in your religion, yeah. Yeah. become a Mormon or a Catholic because uh, they have the most impressive living. Yeah. Nobody stands outside, I the it. <laughs> Hopefully someday we'll we'll be able to make the improvements as, as 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 the money comes in, you know, to do all that, so we can have a few hours. And we'll, but anyway, we'll, we'll get into that later. But the point is this: you know, it was a wow, but the wow came at a cost. Do you understand what I'm saying? What man says wow to God isn't as impressed with. Amen. That's right. Man looks upon the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart, and there are so many people, whether they be Christians who go to some certain extremes that they want to look so impressive on the outside, and it could be like, we're just all about being professional, and everything has Look, professionalism does have its place, and I think we can definitely improve on certain things that there's no doubt about it, but uh, some people think that, that, that their, their quality of the Christianity is based on their professionalism. And uh, it's all about just coming across so sharply. You know, is that what impresses God? Yeah. God looks from the heart. Now it's not like we want to be careless, I understand that. And sometimes we as Irish people can be a little less, you know, less formal, a bit more careless at times, you know, sort of way. And sometimes I have to say, well, hold on, can I do the better for this? You know? Because we can have that, ah sure it'll do, you know, sort of way. But the other extreme. Is this over emphasis on professionalism, which is not as godly as some people like to think it is? I don't think the Lord is impressed by that. What God looks upon the heart, it's the heart that's engaged with the Lord, which is so much more important. And I want to tell you something. Uh, as I read you the scriptures, I understand that Israel was at its zenith under Solomon. It was at its peak under Solomon. In fact, the Psalms refer to Solomon's kingdom for the comparison for the Christ who will come. I get that. I understand that. But I can't help wondering if they were better off under David. They may not have had the riches. They may not have even had the, the temple. But they had the heartbeat of God a lot more. Are you with me here? Because David was a man after God. I just think that's really interesting. So, Let's talk about. Uh, so Solomon did broke the law, and, and in that way he broke the law. Joshua chapter seventeen, verse fourteen to seventeen. Let me make a comment about Second Chronicles. As you're reading through your Bible, and some of us are, uh, you will you can read through Chronicles, you can read through Kings, and sometimes it feels like you're reading the same thing all over again. But let me remind you, Second Chronicles and First and Second Kings contain the same history. But First Chronicles and Second Chronicles come from what perspective? Do you remember? I mentioned last week, so I'm saying it again. We talked about First Chronicles last week. This week I'm saying Second Chronicles. What perspective are they written from? Do you remember? It's not political. What is it? Historic, well, it's historical. They're all historical, right? But it's not a political perspective in, in Chronicles. What is it? It's religious, okay? It's a religious perspective. And so that's going to play into the, the content of it, Okay, so sometimes the content is very very similar, sometimes the wording is very very similar, and sometimes the content differs vastly. There's a religion, there's a reason for that because Second Chronicles and First Chronicles is really dealing with the religious perspective. Mm-hmm. More will be said about that. Now, many of the treaties and alliances forged by Solomon were done by ha- by what? What did he do? Marriages. Marrying strange wives, as the Bible would say, okay? First Kings chapter eleven, verse three. And he had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines, and his wife turned away his heart. Well what could be impressive about having a thousand wives? It doesn't make any sense. I don't know how anyone could be impressed by that. But some way, somehow, Solomon was impressed by having seven hundred wives. Now, what's the difference between a wife and a concubine? They're not married to concubines. Well, they were married, but because remember that that the Bible says that Sarai, or Sarah at the time, I suppose, gave or no, actually it was Sarah, wasn't it? Sarai gave Abraham Hagar. Hagar as a concubine to wife, right? So it is. So, what's the difference? Does anybody know? Uh, status. Status is exactly right. So, the concubine would have lesser status, less rights. Yes. Yeah, there are different houses as well in Asian cultures in there for the wives and for the concubines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the secondary wives, even if they were wives, would have a different house. But the concubines would have less rights. Yeah, all, 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 of, all of that. Uh, I doing can't get my head good. around that. I don't think any of us can. We can say something. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. All right. Okay. So. That was so he made political treats by wise. Yeah. Now, what was the unfortunate result of all those marriages that's already been mentioned? What was the unfortunate result? They turned away from God. They turned away from God, that's exactly right. So first and uh, Kings eleven verse four. Who's gonna read that for me, please? So it came to pass when Solomon was told that his wife turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God the hands of David's father? Do you know be very careful in the decisions you make? Sometimes we make decision after decision after decision, and it's the wrong direction. Do you understand what I'm saying? And we will look down the road and say, How did I get there? None of us are static. None of us stay in exactly the same place. I had a conversation with somebody recently and I said to that person, I haven't changed. Now, my theological position, my, uh, my convictions, really over the last 30 years, have not changed drastically really at all, they haven't. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's open to other people's opinions and that's fine. But we all change a little bit, we all do, because we have the temptations of the wicked one, we have the pressure of the world, we've got pressure on friends who are making changes in their own lives, And we're like, you used not to do that. Why are you doing that now And it causes confusion? Churches change. Institutions change. Things change. Things always change. You with me here? And, you know, I think it's a very good thing for us every now and again to evaluate ourselves and say, you know, are the changes I'm making good? Are they helping me? Are they blessing me? Are they building my faith? Are they encouraging my family? Are they helping those around me? Because all of us move a little bit all the time without even realizing it because of all the pressures upon us. Would you agree with that? So it's very good now and again just to evaluate yourself. So we all just, and and so we need to maybe bring ourselves back into line and say, hey, you know what? I used not to do that. I'm doing it now. Why am I doing that? Is that good? If it's not good, then let's bring ourselves back into line again. Or maybe we're, you know, I I, I mean, there's many examples. There's no point in, in, in talking about that. But I want to make the mention of this David had how many wives? Ten wives. I didn't count his wives. But let's say ten wives. Solomon had a thousand. Now, I wonder if David had only just stuck with the one. Now, Michael, that would be the difficult one. I don't have to go down that road. Let's say he stuck with just two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I've only one. Yeah. But if, he, if he'd be more selective. <laughs> I wonder would Solomon had have felt the need to have a thousand wives? I think this, the the seeds of compromise were in the home already. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so I think that's why it's important for us to, to pray that prayer in Psalm 139. Search me, O oh God, know my heart. Try me, up, know my thoughts. See if there be a wicked way in me. Leave me in the way of everlasting. Lord, is there something you want me to evaluate? If you don't want me to evaluate it, I don't want to evaluate it. If, if you don't want me to be introspective, I don't want to be introspective. But if you do, Lord, I'm open to that. Is that fair enough? Yes. Well, we're just saying, Lord, am I making decisions because my father did? or my uncle did, or this person did, or that person did. That's a wrong reason to make decisions. We need to make decisions because the Spirit of God is clearly leading us according to the Scripture. Amen. Do you understand? This is our rock-solid you know, foundation of truth. This is where we make our, our decisions from. And we want to be very, very careful. Solomon made one compromise after another compromise. Solomon would never have said 20 years previously, you know, my heart's going to turn from God. I'm going to build a, a house of worship for the gods of Ammon. I'm going to build a house of worship for for my, my wife, the Pharaoh's daughter. He would he would never have said that 20 years previously, but because he made one compromise after another compromise after comp- another compromise, it was easier for him to build that house for Kemosh Does that make sense? So that's why it's really important for us to be very careful about the decisions we make. One compromise is, compromises are made one step at a time. And one of the principles of ORU, which is really good, is small compromises lead to great disasters. So just be careful. Just be careful of decisions you make, OK? Now, um, under the dispensation of the law, the Israelites were responsible to reveal God's glory to the rest of the world by living in conformity to the law. They were moderately successful under the leadership of Moses, but fell miserably during the period of the judges. They perhaps reached the height of the conformity to the law under David and the early years of Solomon. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. Let's just turn there quickly. I did give that to anyone. Exodus 19. Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. It says here, now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words with which I speak unto the children of Israel. And I think, uh, as the writer of these notes makes the statement, they really hit their zenith under David because David was a man after God's own heart. It's amazing to think, he, although he compromised with these multiple marriages, he never allowed his wife to sway his faith. Or, or his wife, should I say, to sway his faith. And although we are very close to our family members and our spouses, we should never allow anyone, no matter who they are, to sway our faith away from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. So during this period of time, God advances revelation of his eternal plan. Through the David, through the Davidic covenant, he added information about the chosen family, which family was that through the Davidic covenant, mm-hmm. his David's family, absolutely. And about the nature of the promised one, who would be the, uh, what would be the nature of the promised one? The Messiah, the Messiah what would be his nature. <coughs> he would be the eternal king. Do you remember that we we talked about the Davidic covenant. He would be he would uh, reign forever. Okay. All right, so we talked about that last time. Let's move on now. And we're going to now move on to the kingdom divided. Any questions on this before we move on? Other? Okay, so we're moving in a new section, okay? So now, the kingdom was divided under Rehoboam. After the death of Solomon, Rehoboam, his son, ascended to the throne and united Israel. However, God was displeased with the idolatry of Solomon in his later years and had already made provision to take part of the kingdom away from the house of David, as recorded in 1 Kings 11, 29-39. I'm not going to read that this, this evening. Who did God send to prophesy? See how good your Bible knowledge is? Who did God send to prophesy? And I don't think I would remember this myself, so I'm going to go easy on you. Who did God send to prophesy that the king would be ripped out of the hands of Solomon? Does anybody remember the name of that prophet? Out of the hand of Solomon? Well, yeah, well, I, I was, well Solomon's, yeah, the, the prophet was sent to Solomon. What was his name? Yes, Ahijah a hijab, was Ahijah. Do you remember that? That's first, first Kings eleven to twenty nine to thirty thirty nine. God sent a prophet to a, a man. Actually, do you know what it wasn't Solomon? I take that back. I mean, he was sent the, the prophet to Jeroboam. Okay, Jeroboam, Solomon's servant. Okay, and that's first Kings eleven verse twenty six to inform that him that God was taking him. Uh, ten of the tribes. Do you remember he divided the the uh, yeah. his garment into ten pieces? Remember that, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, must be a strong prophet for us to come to be Okay. So the division of the kingdom took place in approximately 931 BC. Now, in offering part of the kingdom to Jeroboam, God also made him an offer. Okay, so what in First Kings eleven verse thirty-eight? Let me pass out the scriptures. First Kings eleven thirty-eight. First Kings, 11, Hannah can read that. First uh, Kings twelve thirteen. First Kings twelve, John can read that. Second Chronicles eleven verse one. Second Chronicles eleven verse one. Um, you can read that, Dexter. And First Kings eleven twenty-six. Oh, that's a lengthy passage. So um, we'll all to First Kings chapter eleven. Let's alter turn to First Kings eleven. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're on First Kings 7. Okay, now, in offering part of the kingdom to Jeroboam, God also made a, him an offer in First Kings 38, but we didn't in a minute. So, what was that offer God made? Number one, or should I say, A, the granting of a wish, as with Solomon, B, a sure house, and a kingdom, as with David, C riches and honor, or D Rehoboam's death. What did God promise to Jeroboam or offer to Jeroboam? A a wish like Solomon's, B a sure house, as with David, C riches and honor, or D Rehoboam's death. That's a harder one, isn't it? Usually they're easy. No, offer them all four. Nope, don't one of them. In them. Okay, so a sure house and a kingdom has with David. Yep, that is the correct answer. Okay, First Kings chapter 11, 38. thirty-eight. First Kings eleven thirty-eight. 38. Who did that to? We're all and going there. Is
1: it First Kings 11,
0: 8? 38. Oh, you said we should all turn Okay, down. we'll all turn up, but Who did they give that specific That 1 verse 2. Hannah, go and read that. 1 Kings 11, 38. 38. It shall be if thou wilt hearken unto all that I command thee, and will walk in my ways, and do that that is right in my sight, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with thee, and will build thee a sure house as I built for David, and will give Israel unto thee. That's quite the promise, isn't it? God was offering the promises that went to David over to Jeroboam. Now, not all of it, David because it was only ten kingdoms. Like, they would keep two kingdoms, or, t- I'm saying kingdoms, ten tribes. The northern part, Israel. Not the southern part, Judah. But, but the point I'm trying to make is, that's quite the promise, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that was out there. All he had to do was respond by faith and do what God wanted him to do, and he could have it all. You know, though, I, I know it's just a dream, but John R. Rice made comments comment in one of his books that he had this dream, and he dreamed it that uh, God had these warehouses in heaven, and it was full of stuff, and John O'Rice said, what are these warehouses for? And the answer came back, all the things you didn't ask for, but you could have had. You know, and I just thought, that is really interesting, because when you think God wants to bless us, God wants to pour out His grace upon us, there are so many things that God has for us, and a blessing, spiritual blessings in Christ, you know, victories in our life, spiritual victories we can have etc etc many things God has for us if we just ask and fulfill them, the terms God has laid down God made this promise to Jeroboam you can have this but unfortunately for him he did not fulfill the terms after 40 years under Solomon after 40 years under Solomon the people requested of Rehoboam what kind of king he planned to be in first kings twelve thirteen. We are told that Ray answered the people. How did he rough them? How d how did he no. answer them? Mm. Oh, he he uh won the son Roughly, yeah. so. <laughs> I expect I give it Yes, yes, he did. Okay, he lost the plot, he scorned them in a sense, didn't <laughs> First Kings chapter twelve, verse thirteen, please. Like you asked for the people roughly and forsook the old men's camps council as they gave him. It's a sad thing, isn't it? Older people in the church are a blessing. You've got to listen to their wisdom. Very foolish if we think that we can learn our own ways. You know, people give me advice. I'm in mean, a lot of new territory, as you know, being on these different councils and committees and blah, blah, blah. And uh, I sit there and I just listen and learn as much as I can. There are some things I can't do because they're wrong, but there's a lot of wisdom in there that I can no learn from. To understand what I'm saying, and, and uh, so it's important to learn and listen to other people who know more than we do, especially older people who know a lot more than we do, to understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, unfortunately for Rehoboam, he didn't learn that for himself. Now, we're we'll taking a look at the division of the land there, we'll take a look at them there in a second, but let me just we uh, read first. Second Chronicles chapter 11, verse 1. In that passage, we find the tribes of what? Who stayed with Rehoboam? When the kingdom was divided, who stayed with Rehoboam? Judah and Bethlehem. And Baxter. you are correct. 2nd Chronicles, Chronicles 11 verse 1. 2nd Chronicles 11 verse 1. When Rehoboam was That was sad, because that, that's, that's like a civil war. But let's take a look at this. So here's Judah here. Can you see my red mark? Is it visible? Benjamin. OK, thank you so much. OK, so as you can see, here's Philistia. OK, the Gaza Strip, OK. And here is uh, Judah. And you see the, the area of Judah, Jerusalem here, then all the way down here to the southern uh, portion, just coming down to Egypt here. And uh, Benjamin is actually in this section, right in here, where my, my circle is going there. And then you have Israel. And Judah encompasses the Dead Sea. The River Jordan then connects all the way up to the Sea of Galilee. And then you've got down up north. And that is all Israel here. Then, of course, you have Moab here. And then you have Ammon over here. Remember, Ammon, we talked about Sunday school class. Want this region over here, not theirs. OK? And then you have the Arabian desert in here. Of course, Edom then below Moab as well. So Edom and Moab. And uh, Bordered Judah and Adam borders Israel. Okay, so that was the division there. Make sense? Okay, so that was the division. It should have be been all one nation. Like uh, if you could use a comparison, uh, Ireland was united at one stage. Now it's divided, the 32 countries are divided 26 and south and 6 up north. Okay, now the seeds of this revolt began in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 26 to. 40, we won't look at that right now for the time's sake, but Solomon became oppressed with Jeroboam, look at verse 28, it says here in verse 28, and the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor, and Solomon seen the young man, that he was industrious, he made him ruler over the charge of the house of Joseph, okay, and then it says here the the son, he was the son of a widow, and appointed him to rule over the house of Joseph, a hijab was then sent to Jeroboam with news that God was going to punish Solomon for his idolatry, verse 33. It says here, verse 33, because they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonis, Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of the Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in my eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments as did David, his father. Now what was involved in this idolatry, by the way? That was so evil in God's sight. Oh, sacrifice. Okay, so that, all that stuff was going on, and incidentally, that was going on in Ireland as well before Patrick came. The temple sacrifice was going on. heathen sacrifice, child sacrifice, etc. Okay. Anyway, so uh, so Ahijah was then sent to Jeroboam with news that God was going to punish Solomon for his idolatry, and give him ten tribes to rule over. Upon hearing of this, Solomon sought to kill Jeroboam, whereupon Jeroboam fled to Egypt until Solomon's death. The people called Jeroboam Jeroboam, back to confront Rehoboam upon his succession, because obviously he was quite the man. Verse 3 of chapter 12, that they sent and called him, and Jeroboam and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam and said what they were going to say. And that was the point where the kingdom was divided. So from this point on, I'm going to finish at this point here. From that, from this point on, the portion of the kingdom remained to David, the king of his lineage, the kings of his lineage. Okay, let me read this again. That's is From this point on, the portion of the kingdom remaining to David, the kings of his lineage, is called Judah. Not sure about that wording here. Anyway, the southern kingdom. So, the, well, that's what I pointed out here. The southern kingdom that belonged to David and Israel was given to Jeroboam. Okay. And then it disintegrated from there. Anyway, the ten tribes splitting away from what we're called, Israel, the northern kingdom. It is important to understand that even though ten tribes were taken from the house of David and given to Jeroboam, representatives of all these tribes, a remnant out of each, moved into Judah and became part of the southern kingdom. Second Chronicles eleven 16. Let's turn there quickly. Now let me ask you a question. And it's a very practical question. But why do you think a remnant of each tribe Moved down south to Judah. Why do you think when it was divided, north and south? Why did a, a representatives of each tribe of Israel move down to, to Judah? Why it resisted the kingship? Right of oh, Reba. Well. Right. Okay. So so, so Reba was was ruling in Judah. So why did they move down from from Israel? Oh, big part. So why did they go down here? They accepted the kingship. Yeah, <laughs> why? Yeah, that's true. Because he was the successor to someone. True. Why else? That was that was a reason, but not their main reason. What was their main reason? Was it because they wanted to worship in Jerusalem? Right. Yeah. Because what what Jeroboam and I think we're going to discuss this next week. Yes, it is but next week because Jeroboam instituted false worship, and they're like, we're not having this. And so Levites and, and different tribes. Travel, people from different tribes that came back to Judah, they said, "I'm getting out of this paganism. I'm getting into Judah." Okay, and that is a story in itself. But Second Chronicles eleven sixteen will finish with this. It says here, "And after them, out of all the tribes of Israel, set such as set their hearts to seek the Lord of God of Israel, came to Jerusalem to sacrifice unto the Lord God of their fathers." So it tells us why, because their heart was set on the Lord. Praise God for people who take a stand. And are willing to get away from paganism and idolatry. Okay, <coughs> so, yeah, that's enough for this week. I'm going go to go into the rest of it next week.